everyone welcome to the podcast i'm your host isaiah copan this is lift and learn episode 5 in this episode i'll be breaking down the importance of the deadlift and talking a bit about creatine before that though i'll talk a bit about what i've been up to lately and that might include fitness related topics and it might not if you want to follow me your host on instagram it's isaiah.copan the podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into the episode. Hmm, okay, so what can I even talk about this week? Well, I did finally start my new phase of workouts. Like I said last week, I've moved from doing my compound movements in the 8 to 12 rep range to now more of a 5 to 8 rep range. It's been going pretty well so far, even though it's only been a few days, so it's really too early to tell. This morning though, I had a 255 pound squat, and my incline barbell bench is slowly creeping up to that 225 pound mark, so I'm reaching new territory in that department, which gets me so amped for every single session. For the past few weeks, actually wait, more than two months now, I've also been perfecting my pull-up form, so I haven't been adding any weight to that movement. I was just doing body weight for the past two months. Yesterday, though, I managed to do some pull-ups while adding 10 pounds to my dip, or sorry, my pull-up belt, so weighted pull-ups are back in the routine, finally. Since I moved into this new phase of training, I also switched up my rest periods just a little bit. I used to rest about 75 to 90 seconds between sets, but I think I've decided to extend it to 2 minutes starting today for at least my leg day sessions in this new phase. I definitely needed those extra 30 seconds to catch my breath between sets, especially as I got towards the end of my workouts, like when I was doing the walking dumbbell lunges. Oh my god, that'll forever be one of my most hated exercises. But I gotta do it because that's one of those movements for me that really target my hamstrings and glute area. And everything in regards to building muscle in my lower body is pretty much top priority in my training these days. Um, Looking at you calves, please start growing. Well, since I'm about to talk about the importance of the deadlift, I guess I might as well tell you how my deadlift progress is going so far. So let me just open my logs for a sec on Gymbook. Hashtag not sponsored. Okay, so the gym's open on July 31st. And it looks like my first deadlift day ended up being August 5th. And I ended up doing 225 for 5 reps for 3 sets. And my latest day, if I keep on scrolling here, it was on October 13th. And end up being 325 pounds also for 5 reps for 3 sets. So my deadlift actually went from 225 to 325, wow. So it's up 100 pounds in 10 weeks, which is pretty good. Of course, my first few weeks when gyms opened up, those were really light sessions. So I started off with weights that I knew I'd be able to handle easily since I was just easing myself back into the groove of things. 
And obviously my deadlift strength isn't going to improve this quickly all the time, or else I'd be deadlifting a thousand pounds in a year. But it's good to see that it is improving. My all-time PR is only 4 plates, or 405, and that was a pretty sloppy one rep with straps on. So we'll see if I can get past that mark in my conventional deadlift and my sumo deadlift, and hopefully with better form than last time I did it. I'll have to dig up that old 405 video and compare that to see what it looks like the next time I hit it. I think that'll be pretty interesting to see. Yes, these numbers are minor league numbers, but maybe they'll be respectable one day. I can't wait to see what this calendar year has in store in terms of progress I can make. So if you're listening to this podcast on the first day it's released, which is October 16th, and you know that these are, of course, pre-recorded, well, on October 10, which was last Saturday, they've again decided to close the gyms along with other things in Peel Region and Toronto, so that means we got affected by this again. Looks like it's going to be at least another 28 days of the gyms being closed in my area. Hopefully the weather can stay somewhat warm over the next month so I can keep on working out in my home gym in my backyard for a little while longer. But yeah, this is pre-recorded and I'm actually recording this on Tuesday right now, the 13th, and guess where I just got back from? (laughs) That's right, the gym, let's go! I ended up driving about 35 minutes to Crunch Fitness near Burlington and actually had a pretty good workout. I plan on making the drive at least three times a week, so my plan is to still keep on progressing somewhat normally. I should be able to keep my gains at the very least. I've decided to switch up my usual upper-lower split in the meantime for more of a full body routine right now. And that probably means spending more than 90 minutes in the gym right now, but I might as well since the drive is kind of far. But I do think the gym is pretty decent over there, so it's pretty cool to be able to train a new environment. They have like blue machines, they have hoist machines, which are awesome. And also, I had a two-plate bench on incline today for a few reps, and that's an all-time PR for me, since I've never touched that weight before. So, overall, safe to say, I'm liking the new gym. So before I dive into the fitness portion of this episode, I just want to quickly mention that version 1 of my website is actually up right now. It's isaiacopon.com, and it's in its infancy stages right now. You can just go on there to check out a bit more about me and the podcast. It has links to everything you need. If you need direct links that are podcast related, if you want to contact me, if you need coaching, you can go through there. And all the social media that you can follow me is also on there. And I plan to offer a few more things on that website in the coming months. Just give me a little bit more time since I just made it live. The ball is rolling right now, and things are slowly coming together. Alright, enough about that, let's get into the fitness portion of the episode. First topic, the importance of the deadlift. I'm just going to start by saying that I avoided deadlifts for years. I've been lifting for almost 7 years at this point, and one of my biggest regrets is that I never really incorporated deadlifts into my routine in the first 5 years of my lifting career, So my deadlift isn't exactly where it should be right now in comparison to my other lifts. I was one of those people who believed you didn't have to deadlift to achieve your ideal physique. Now, I still believe that's true, but I also believe that the deadlift sends your body the biggest signal to put on muscle. It's either the deadlift or the squat in that number one spot. 
That's simply because for most people, it should be your strongest lift, even stronger than the squat for most people. There's no other exercise that allows you to lift as heavy as when you're doing a deadlift, unless you're doing something like rack pulls, which is the upper portion of the deadlift. Basically, the deadlift stresses the whole body and hits a lot of muscles throughout your body, so it's definitely a muscle builder. Now, because I didn't practice deadlifts for the first five years of my career, I had to take some time a few years ago to really practice the deadlift form because it's super important for you to focus on doing this movement correctly. And this is especially true if it's new to you because it's a lift where you could potentially load a lot of weight on the bar. And a lot of weight on the bar when your back is involved could be grounds for injury if you're not doing the exercise with proper form. At first, I had the tendency to have an arched back because it wasn't really a natural position for me to be in. Eventually, though, I was able to improve my form over the years, and to this day, I still practice my form on it because I'm still pretty uncomfortable doing a deadlift, as opposed to when I'm bench pressing, for example. I'm pretty confident in my other major compound lifts like squat, bench, or even OHP, which is overhead press, but for me, the deadlift is a tricky one to perfect because it involves so many muscles and you're susceptible to injury if you're not using your muscles properly or if you're constantly practicing the form incorrectly. So even to this day, I'm working on improving my deadlift every session. And I'm pretty sure I just repeated myself there, but that just shows how important it is. If you've ever wondered why your back might be hurting throughout the day, then here's the best way to strengthen that lower back of yours. To get rid of most pain that you experience, you have to strengthen those areas you're currently weak in. And here's the king of all exercises when it comes to overcoming that lower back pain that you might have every now and then. There are countless benefits to doing deadlifts. You'll develop better posture, build a solid foundation in your core, and you'll build a good amount of muscle in your posterior chain. And that includes glutes, which is your butt hamstrings, your whole back, and some other minor muscles if you really want to get in depth like glute medius and the adductors. And when I say it hits your whole back, that includes your lower back, which is a common issue as you get older, and the deadlift will even help with grip strength, which is actually one of the best indicators when it comes to longevity and overall strength. Something as simple as having good grip strength could actually be a pretty good indicator that you're actually a healthy and a strong individual. The deadlift has also been shown to also increase explosivity in movements like a vertical jump, so that's another reason why it's now a staple in my routine. I'm only 5'6", so I just want to dunk a basketball one time before I go, you know? If you listened to episode 3 of the podcast two weeks ago, I talked a bit about squatting and mentioned that when you squat, your body releases natural testosterone throughout the body because you're activating so many muscles at once. Now that also applies when you're doing a deadlift, because again, you're stimulating and waking up so many muscles, which will lead to an increase in testosterone and even growth hormone as well. Since it's a movement where there's potential for so much muscle building, it's also a great movement to incorporate when it comes to weight loss as well, since it requires so much energy, which is essentially calories, to execute. If you're in the gym and not doing deadlifts, then you're really doing yourself a disservice. Like I said, the deadlift works so many muscles throughout your body. Your workout routine is going to be so much longer if you plan on skipping deadlifts and decide instead to go from machine to machine to try to activate and stimulate and build all those muscles. 
you're going to have to do some kind of upper back exercise, probably a lower back extension, maybe some kind of stiff leg deadlift variation, or a lying leg curl, and maybe even spend some time doing cable kickbacks too. In reality, you probably still won't get as much benefit from doing those three or four or even five exercises for multiple sets when you compare that to only doing three or four sets of deadlifts. It'll shorten your gym time and build way more muscle. And anything you can do to get in and out of the gym as fast as possible, especially these days, is a good enough reason to start implementing deadlifts into your own routine. And that's a reason why I do them for sure. I usually have my workouts completed within 60 to 70 minutes, and that's including a 5 to 7 minute full body warm-up that I actually had to do outside this weekend because there was already a lineup before the gyms opened at 7am. And the reason why my workouts are usually complete within the hour is because my workout programming is based around compound movements. The deadlift is one of the best compound movements you can do, meaning it's an exercise that involves multiple joints and muscles to execute. These compound movements are great to do in terms of muscle building or fat loss, and especially when it comes to saving time in the gym. Of course, when you're starting out, you want to start light and get used to the movement. And there's a few variations of the deadlift as well that will work for you if you have access to a gym or if you're just at home. There's the normal deadlift, the sumo stance, and the trap bar deadlift, and they all have general applications to daily life. The trap bar deadlift, according to some research, has great benefits that translate to benefiting athletic performance since it helps you become more explosive. If you've ever seen any athletes train, they spend a lot of time using the trap bar deadlift. And I always wondered why that was the case before I got into this field, when I was growing up and playing sports, but now I know it's because it actually translates pretty well to sports-specific movements. Any variation of the deadlift will be beneficial to anyone and everyone because it helps you with daily life. As you get older, you're going to notice that you may find simple things like picking things up off the floor, or even things like getting out of a chair without using your arms. These simple things will start to get difficult and the deadlift helps tremendously with that. If you're debating between doing the conventional deadlift or the sumo deadlift, just focus on one at a time and perfect that movement first. Just choose one of them and stick with it. Lately, a lot of people have switched to doing sumo deadlifts because most people, depending on your skeletal structure, should be stronger in a sumo stance because there's less of a range of motion when you pull, and this variation could actually target your lower body, quads, hamstrings, glutes, a tiny bit more than the conventional deadlift does. For my clients, I've been teaching and doing the sumo deadlift with them. I feel like it's a movement that's easier for most people to learn since there's going to be less stress on your spine because of the way the movement is performed. For the females out there, the sumo stance would likely be more beneficial as well since there's potential for more glute activation in that movement. For me personally, I've been sticking with mainly the conventional style for now as I try to perfect and get better at doing that movement first, but I did practice some sumo stance deadlifts recently, and I'm starting things off very slowly in order to perfect the form first. It obviously wouldn't be a good idea to just test how strong I am in a new exercise without practicing it first. Anyways, be honest with yourself. Most people listening to this aren't planning on competing in powerlifting, or even bodybuilding shows, so be cautious as the weight increases and make sure your form doesn't break down. 
Remember, perfect form is a top priority in the gym because if you get injured, you're going to set yourself back big time. Form is much more important than just loading up the plates so that you can satisfy your own ego. The deadlift is a high risk movement, so be careful. I talked about some variations of the deadlift earlier, but if you're at home working out now, you might not have access to hundreds of pounds of weights to pull off the floor. If that's the case, then you can try a single deadlift variation, which is actually very tough to do and also takes your balance into account. That means it'll strengthen your ability to stay on your feet better. You've probably heard stories about elderly people falling in the shower, and that's because they don't have the stability to keep themselves upright. And for an elderly person, falling is not a good sign. So if you haven't started deadlifting, then you should. I've been doing them in place of squatting in some of my leg routines. I've also had them in my pull day sometimes if I'm doing a push-pull leg split. So where you decide to fit it into your schedule is up to you. It's also probably a good idea to do the deadlift near the beginning of the routine, if not the very beginning, since it's a movement where you'd want to have the most energy so that you can be strong and efficient at it. One YouTube video over the past few years that really helped me with my own deadlift form was watching Alan Thrall's video. You can probably just search something like how to deadlift on YouTube and he'll probably pop up. If not, then put his name, Alan Thrall, in the search as well and it should show up if it's still online. My lifetime goal is to one day pull six plates and I'm not even at four plates right now so I got a long way to go. So if there's anything you can take away from anything I've been saying for the last few minutes, it's that you obviously need to start deadlifting. It's one of the most important exercises you can do in terms of muscle building and fat loss. It's a full body compound exercise that can help anyone improve their own health, no matter what your fitness level currently is. If you're new to it, I suggest starting out with sumo deadlifts just because it's an easier movement to learn and it's going to be less stress on your lower back, but you'll still reap significant muscle building benefits, especially in your lower body, glutes, and your whole back all the way up to your trap muscles. Practice perfect form before you start increasing load because you do not want to injure yourself. And lastly, it's a functional movement that builds strength throughout your body and that's a major key to being healthy in the long term. Second topic, can you talk about creatine and its benefits? If there's any supplement that you should be taking, it's this one right here. There are so many benefits to creatine. It builds muscle, improves recovery, increases strength, and there's even lesser known benefits that we're still discovering more about today involving brain function. At this point, it's actually the most studied and researched supplement that's out there and it seems to be the king of all supplements that could find its way into more mainstream foods and sources in the future. Creatine was first found all the way back in the 1800s, and people actually used to think it was a steroid before, and that actually tells you how much of an impact it can make. It was eventually used in the 1970s and 80s in the Olympics, and really started becoming more mainstream in the 90s. Taking creatine monohydrate is the best way to ingest it, and it's been shown that other forms of creatine could yield less results, even if some supplement company makes other claims, like their creatine ethyl ester will be better than a monohydrate. That has not been the case in multiple studies. Creatine monohydrate seems to be the king. 
It's one of the best supplements out there, and it's actually cheaper than most other supplements. I'm talking like $15 of creatine mono will last you months. You can load more than 5 grams for the first week or so, if you want, but generally 5 grams a day will be enough to get maximum results. You could also take a smaller dose, maybe around 2 grams, if you're not training or working out. And that could still be a beneficial dose you can take, especially because there doesn't appear to be any major side effects from taking it. Creatine is actually found in some meat sources these days, albeit only in small doses. If you don't eat meat or you're vegetarian or vegan, then studies have actually shown that those who supplemented with creatine actually reported up to a 50% improvement in some memory and intelligence scores simply because they're missing out on having even those little doses daily. Yes, it even boosts brain function, which is incredible. Creatine is one of the most studied supplements out there, and we're still doing ongoing research about it, so there's probably still more benefits that we'll find out about creatine over the next few years. Supplementing with creatine increases your phosphocreatine stores so that you'll actually have more ATP during exercise. And if you know anything about ATP, it's the first and main source of energy when you're doing lifts or exercises where you're under stress for those first few crucial seconds. Using creatine could lead you to performing better in those exercises, like a bench or deadlift, or any form of training. It could also help you with HIIT exercises, that's high-intensity interval training, because creatine has been shown to improve strength, ballistic power, sprint ability, muscle endurance, muscle mass, fatigue re resistance, recovery, and like I said, even brain performance, which doesn't get talked about a lot. There's been studies that show up to a 10% increase in strength in some individuals who resistance train. It's the single most beneficial supplement for adding muscle mass. In another study with weightlifters, it showed that creatine increased muscle fiber growth two to three times more than training without it and increased one RM, which is one rep max benches, in individuals. There's another 14-week study that showed an increase in leg strength and muscle mass, Another one showing strength increasing 8%, weightlifting performance 14%, and 1RM bench by 43%. Creatine has even been shown to have some benefits against ALS, and there was a study that extended the survival rate of patients by up to 17%. It could even help fight depression to a certain extent. There was a study that taking creatine alongside an antidepressant could actually help the person recover up to two times faster. Clearly, I can go on and on with the studies, but you get my point. It's been proven that creatine works for most people, so hopefully you're not a creatine non-responder, which is just a small percentage of people. There's also a very small percentage of people who may experience nausea and diarrhea while taking creatine, but you should be able to work around this by consuming more food or liquids around your creatine supplementation, or by breaking up your 5 gram daily dose into two 2.5 gram doses throughout the day. Like the research has shown, creatine can help you add muscle mass. You've probably heard people saying not to take creatine because you're going to be holding onto water or you're going to get bloated. You might get bloated, maybe, but creatine actually increases the water content in your muscles, not just wherever it feels like. This will in turn speed up muscle growth since it seems to affect nitrogen balance as well. 
Creatine has been shown to increase strength as well as improved recovery time. Supplementing with it leads to an elevated concentration of creatine phosphate in skeletal muscle. As a reminder, creatine phosphate is a rapid and immediate source of fuel for ATP production, which I mentioned earlier. Now, creatine phosphate depletion is a common cause of fatigue for short-term high-intensity exercises, so it only makes sense that having more creatine before a strength training session should allow you to do a few more reps before you get to that point of fatigue. This will eventually lead to a greater overload stimulus. When compared to a placebo, the ones taking creatine showed improvements in muscle mass, strength, and muscle fiber area after 12 weeks. To wrap it up, taking creatine has been shown to have no or very minor side effects, even in a long-term study that lasted 5 years. It's mostly seen as just a bodybuilding supplement these days, but there's benefits even to those who don't exercise. Everyone should be taking it. It's safe and it's cheap for everyone to at least try. Get in 5 grams of creatine daily, and if you don't exercise, you could take as little as 2 grams per day and you could still see some benefits. If you have stomach problems, then try breaking it up within the day so you're ingesting less of it all at once. Instead, you can just take 2, 2.5 gram servings if needed. And that right there concludes episode 5 of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about why resistance training is the best form of exercise you can do and the importance of sleep and why that could be holding back your progress.